This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. to nothing, nothing happens in a small town <laughs> we we just had an, another another audio yeah, yeah gremlin we'll it just was call it gremlins. like wait this isn't recording right and Can oh, you yeah, it just it went to the wrong audio thing and you know it's one of those we oh, we talk about it because we're just weirdos i guess um but anyhow i'm glad we decided not to just go through the entire flipping episode then figure it out yes i agree because then i would be like um where's the rum <laughs> is there rum rum somewhere somewhere i don't know uh so we were catching up again because now i don't get to chat with missy all day every day at work not that yeah. that's the only thing i did before but anyhow <laughs> i had the ability to reach out to you until you would always run away like the moment i thought of something i wanted to say to you at like two o'clock in the afternoon i'm like yes. dang you early person yes um but anyhow, as I believe I told everybody, we've been, you've been following my lovely excursions of selling house, living in fifth wheel on base, and then we have since started renting at Fort Meade, which is an interesting, it's interesting. When you've owned homes for 24 years, it's very bizarre going back into the renting world, but... I mean, it's not a bad place. Sure, the bathrooms in the kitchen aren't up to the standard I'm used to. Sure. Because <laughs> they're, I mean, space housing. Yeah. I, I have low expectations. They were met. It's okay. But with regard to one bathroom in particular, we've had maintenance out for like, what, four times now to try to go, okay, okay, here's the deal. It's a half bath. It's got a really wide door that you open it. It actually has a little bit of a curve in the door from where it's... <laughs> been it's been shaped by the pedestal sink that it goes past and then if you have the door completely open it's like a half a foot between the door and the wall how does one get to the other side of the door to use the toilet <laughs> if you are small enough you can tuck yourself behind the pedestal sink and close the door that way and then use the facilities but yeah it, that's just not mm, you know Right. It doesn't uh, really work. It doesn't really make the bathroom usable. Right. So, um, yeah, we we had numerous people come look at it and say, oh, yeah. Like, the, the leasing people are like, oh, psh, our leasing person's pregnant. She's like, there's no way I could use this bathroom. And if you're a pregnant woman, and believe me, in base housing, you're at the right year years for childbearing. Right. There will be pregnant people living in some of these units right. and they would not be able to use that bathroom yeah um it's very very difficult for me to get past the 
sync. But anyhow, we, we finally got to, oh, well, it's not a work order. It's not something that needs to be fixed because the door itself functions. So we had to do something, I think it was called a change order or something else. I'm like, I don't care what you have to call this and how it has to be done. Just get it done. Can we please have the door? I don't, I don't even care if you leave ugly holes and just put the hinges on the other side. Right. Because it's just the two of us. I don't really care. But... Yeah, they're actually going to come out, change the frame. Because really, if you're going to do it right, you know how frames go. There will be a flat side on one side and it'll be a little bit right. uh, curved on the other. So, yes, they have agreed now, finally, Good. to replace the bathroom door. <laughs> that whole usable first floor bathroom thing. Yeah, I don't know. The joys of renting. Mm-hmm. But I will say it is nice and inexpensive. And I will take keeping my very short bike ride to work. And, you know, I just started a new job. I'm working Yay. from home and I absolutely love it. I Yay. love my people. And I was cracking up the other night when we had a happy hour. And so shout out to everybody. Hi. And uh, they were <laughs> introducing me and they're like, have you met Melissa? She has a murder podcast. <laughs> Yay, us. We were mentioned by her org. Yes. So it was it was a lot of fun getting to meet everybody and I really like this company. I really like the people. Everybody seems really cool and it just feels like a great place to be and that's you know for me that's such a great thing. Oh yeah. And you know how I've struggled over the last few years with, with my health jobs issues and, and my health yeah. issues and just trying to make everything work and it's like huh, relief okay Yay. this is gonna go this is gonna be good i'm so, so happy though i'm sad to no longer be able to share some of the joyful conversations yes. that i have with jr i know i and do my... miss hearing <laughs> jr stories you know i mean those were always the best yeah and... one of my buddies from my air force days he works for another agency nearby and we're able to chat on our in- internal chat functions with him. And he always has an interesting tidbit to add anytime I have a, I bring him fodder by bringing him stories. Mm-hmm. And then he ones up the fodder and makes them more hilarious. Oh, so yes. <laughs> yes. I just tee it up for him and he goes, gives me the punchline. It's yes. awesome. So I do, I do miss that. I do miss chatting I'll do my with best. some of my friends, you know, <laughs> but yeah, all in all, this has been a, a great change for me. I'm really happy. That's so. so good. And we still live, you know, near yeah. minutes. Minutes away. Yeah. And I, I do still have to come over and see your new place. Yes. Yeah. I think we're finally to the point where just don't pay attention to the bedroom that has all the boxes in it still. Uh, that's, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I've lived with you. So uh, yeah. we're, we're Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's just the, uh, you know how it is when you move somewhere. I mean, in the past, Sean would be like, okay, everything has to go where it belongs. And now it's to the point of we know everything is a little bit different than the places we've lived. So it's like, let's get the first floor main living areas all squared away. Let's get the main bedroom that we're in all squared away. Right. And we'll figure the rest of the stuff out later. Yeah. Sure. We've got time. Yes. Time. Yep. So today's episode was a another suggestion from one of my mom's friends. Um, so we're back in Mena, Arkansas. And if you remember, we had a case, uh, oh, it was a while ago. Yeah, but, it was yeah. several ago. That was um, that whole family. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and I still hope, and I don't know if she continues to listen to us, but, uh, there was a woman who did reach out after that episode. Cause that's the one that we didn't we, have, we have a very lot little. Of. That yeah. was the Riley James Scarborough, yes. um, one. So if you are listening, please email us. We want to talk to you. Right. Cause it's, it's one of those things. Now I get it. I mean, you, we hear in the news recently stuff like recently the, the queen died over in England and stuff, and they try to keep certain things. It, it, it is a thing to try to keep the all the details of one's death or murder secret. Also, Ashley right. Judd is trying to um, make sure that some of the information that was shared after her mother passed mm-hmm. isn't um, publicly made available. And that's their right to right. litigate and try to see. But if there are things that are being, that are able to be made available publicly, we would love to share them. Right. Um, again, but it, it's just one of those things. There's privacy issues. Um, we don't know if it's just because it was such a small location that right. they shut everything down mm-hmm. rather quickly and nobody's just right. gone into it. Yeah. So, um, back in Mina, um, well, this is, well, kind of, kind of close. close by. It's, it's close by. It's also smack dab in the middle of Arkansas right. at this point in time. Um, so there are two boys, Don Henry and Kevin Ives, and this is in Alexander, Arkansas, and it's August 23rd, 1987. So we're going back a yep. little bit. Just, just so, a few years ago. Pre-dawn. And Stephen Schreier, he's an engineer on the train, and th- this is a pretty long train, 75 cars, 6,000 ton cargo train, and it's approaching Bryant, Arkansas. As it's going through the town of Alexander, he sees something ahead, and when he gets closer, he realizes it's two boys laying on the track. They're motionless. Yes. Um, the... The train, he places it in emergency stop, and he lays on the horn. Now, if you've ever heard a, a train horn, that's, it's yeah, loud. it's loud. You cannot, like, you know, Just I mean. Just sleep through it. Yeah, I don't think Sean could sleep close, through that. Not that close, yeah. And <laughs> he, he slept through fire alarms when he was in the dorms, and mm-hmm. but still. Um. And so basically nothing happens. The they people didn't move. don't move and they get run they over by hit. the train. Mm-hmm. So the bodies were identified. It was 16-year-old Don Henry and 17-year-old Kevin Ives. And both were um, Bryant, Arkansas high school students. Um, they were examined by the local medical examiner. And this is where it gets weird yeah so the medical examiner said that they were both under the influence of marijuana and ruled that the deaths were accidental um so there there's there's a little more to this you're Um, like okay so why didn't they move at all we've got i mean you've heard a train horn it's pretty darn loud yeah so the the it would have been right on top of them move they didn't move at all at all per the per the engineer and neither of the f- families bought it. They're like, the parents didn't buy it. They're like, no, our kids, they might have had a little bit of marijuana, but they wouldn't have had enough to knock them out. That Not to mention, how much does it take to knock you out? Right. That yeah. bad. Yeah. 
I mean, is it even possible? You not know? from what I know. And, but hey, what right. do I know? <laughs> so Kevin's uh, father, Larry, did not believe his son would be knocked out on marijuana. Kevin never showed any signs of drug use, and both his parents were very involved with him. His dad was actually home during the day. His mom um, was home at night. She worked during the day. He worked at night. Right. And to pass off the kids. So they were they were always very involved with their kids, and just didn't seem right. So the night of Saturday, August twenty second. So the night before. They yeah, because, well, they were hit first thing in the morning, so it would have been right. that night carried over into the next day. So the two met a group of friends on the outskirts of Little Rock at a hangout that a lot of teenagers there hung out in. Well, it's just, just a teen a, thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they left at midnight to go back to Don's house, and Kevin waited on the porch while Don went inside to talk to his father, Curtis. Curtis remembers talking to Don at 12.15 a.m., Don told his father the two were going to go hunting. He borrowed his father's spotlight and took his 22 rifle. Don talked with his father for about 15 minutes before they left. The two set off to go spotlighting. And spotlighting is basically where one shines a spotlight into the eyes of an animal to basically... Yeah, I, I actually go over it a little bit okay. more, too, here in a second. Um, so let, let's just take a quick break. So because sure. it's like we're trying to go down this whole path. I was trying to decide where to go into. Let's have Tara's quick geography lesson and then talk a little bit about spotlighting. Mm-hmm. So essentially, um, Alexander. So this is this tall, this small city. Again, going by the word of city. Mm-hmm. Just, I love this place. Um, Anyhow, in 2010, it was about 2,901 people. And we also mentioned Bryant, Arkansas. That is 16,688. It's considered a suburb of Little Rock. They didn't say the same thing for Alexander. So this train must have been on its way to Little Rock is what I'm guessing. Um, I looked at it on the map a couple weeks ago, but I didn't really look. Sorry, I suck. Um, uh, It's practically dead center of Arkansas. Um, Alexander was founded as a construction camp for the nearby railroad. Here we go again with towns that basically get um, built around railroads. I guess that's a pretty similar theme for these small towns. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, The citizens decided to incorporate it around 1887. It's the home to the Arkansas Juvenile Assessment and Treatment Center. (laughs) Nice. Um, And actually, their racial makeup seems to be pretty in between, like one third white, one third Hispanic or Latino, and one third everything else. Hmm. Um, So it's a pretty mixed group. Uh, I'd say the the smallest group seems to be Native American, followed closely by Asian when it comes to how many people in the area are uh, of those. Median household income, another nice small town. $30,000, essentially. Um, So, yeah, you're talking about uh, 13% of the population is below the poverty line, including 9% of those under the age of 18. So, uh, spotlighting, to go on that a little bit more. It's a method of hunting typically for nocturnal uh, animals using off-road vehicles, high-powered lights, spotlights, lamps, or flashlights. Make special use of the eye shine revealed by many animals because you can just just keep on rolling around with a spotlight until you see the shine back. Right. And they typically do not look away. Right. 
for whatever reason, um, actually, this was very specifically just on spotlighting. They say that um, most animals like foxes and rabbits will remain and continually stare at the light and don't appear to see it as a threat as they normally would view a human. You can actually come with a few paces of an animal while you're just continually spotlighting them. Mm-hmm. So there's a good reason why it's illegal. <coughs> right. Excuse me. Um, it's actually considered illegal in most of the United States, Canada, Great Britain, Australia, New Zealand, with some exceptions for indigenous peoples. And if you're dealing with population control of animals that have an out of control population. So uh, yeah, they shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah. So, okay, they've got two things they shouldn't have been doing, but right. it's still teenagers. Right. They're going out to, you know, and maybe they, they were going out to specifically spotlight and kill nuisance animals. Maybe they're having problems with the raccoons. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything about that in specific. No, but... And then you it, pot I also teenagers. that, you know, it was something that a lot of people in that area did. Right. Even though it was technically illegal, it was just something that people did. So. Right. So, you know, it's one of those things. And so basically, um, you know, they've been ruled as accidental deaths, even though there's this marijuana thing. And, you know, it's like, so you've got the families are saying, I don't know about this stuff. And the engineer, he's even saying this. It looks like they were placed there. Yeah. He so one thing that I I remember him specifically saying is they are lying exactly parallel. How is that even possible? What two people have been intoxicated in any right. manner? If you're gonna fall down drunk or high or whatever, you're not you're gonna, gonna be, be perfectly parallel. parallel. Yeah, perfectly parallel. The other thing was that Don's rifle, the way it was placed, did not seem right. It was lying parallel to both of them the other thing is that don's father said you know he would not have laid his rifle there because he took really good care of it right you know he just that it was on rock he's like it would have scratched it it just it wasn't like him this is not this is not right Yeah, because that rifle was a prized possession of his he really yeah so when he pulled the the horn, the the engineer, you know, th- again there was no reaction, you know. And think about that; it's it's a train barreling towards you. You're gonna feel it on the tracks. You're gonna hear it. Yes. And then that that I mean, it's piercing. That noise is so flippin' loud. Yes. There's a reason people don't necessarily want to live near the railroad. Exactly. <laughs> it sh- it can shake your house if yes. you because you know, I've lived near radio railroads Same. so yeah. yeah it's it's this is not adding up um the bodies were about a mile from don's house which is okay they yeah. were out you know and they had left on foot so that kind of makes sense yeah that's doable um they had to be identified through dental records. Um, the medical examiner determined that and I kind of laugh here I'm sorry but it just doesn't this is the nonsense part with um, with regard to marijuana. So they both had smoked the equivalent of 20 marijuana cigarettes. How is that even possible? I, 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 <laughs> I, mean, I don't think it is. I mean... You would... Do you think you'd be... I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I've, yeah. I've never actually smoked pot. I'm the weirdo in the room here, but. Well, you know, I mean, I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to, you know, I was a smoker But even 20 point, cigarettes, how long would that take? A long time. You even, don't smoke, you don't smoke a pack of cigarettes in an hour, you know? Right. I mean, for it to be in your system, you just smoke a pack of cigarettes in a day. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if that. If and then that, you'd be right. buzzing on a nicotine buzz, but right, it's just this whole thing. It doesn't add up. Um, so two accidental deaths due to THC intoxication. Yeah, Malik's just... theory was that the two boys had smoked enough marijuana that they simply fell asleep on the tracks that night before being run over. I, mm. <laughs> I, I got nothing on this one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's really not um, adding up. Um, so a medical report found by an EMT at the tracks that night noted that the boy's blood looked like lack, like it lacked oxygen, raising questions about whether Ives and Henry were already dead when the train hit them. After a lot of push from the parents, the case was reopened. So the prosecutor had their bodies exhumed and re-examined. The new autopsy said that the boys smoked one to three marijuana cigarettes. Not, not 20. 20. <laughs> so that is a huge difference. That makes a little more sense. Right. And I mean, by the way, I did search at one point in time can you die of THC poisoning? And I just pulled it up again. It's like the risk of death directly to con cannabis toxicity is negligible, as in they have no data to support this. Yeah. You're more likely to die because you've done dumb things. Right. While you're smoking exactly. pot. So <laughs> Dr. Arthur J. McBray of North Carolina said that Malik's conclusions were very bizarre, that he had never heard of anyone becoming unconscious from exposure to any amount of THC. Determined one was already deceased when the train hit, and the other was unconscious. So, yeah. That's slightly different than... However, Saline uh, County Sheriff James H. Steed Jr. repeatedly told the Benton Courier that there was nothing at the tracks that night to suggest that it was nothing more than a strange accident. Um, investigator... The investigator had another autopsy done in 1988, and in this one, and I'm kind of curious how this happened that two examiners didn't come up with this part, but Don had been stabbed, stabbed in, in the, the back, back, and Kevin had a wound on his cheek. Kevin had been struck with the in the head with a rifle butt. They had congestion found in their lungs, and also the original ME did not follow pop proper procedures, which could be why the second medical examiner didn't right. find some of that stuff, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little odd. You do wonder, because you're going to have less to examine right. after each time they're exhumed. Yes. Depending so, on how detailed they go into it. I don't know, but it's just this whole thing is strange and yeah. obviously we both watched a couple different YouTube videos yeah. and there were I watched there was, both of the unsolved mysteries. Unsolved mysteries, yep. Yeah. Yeah, this has made it into a lot of things. This yeah. actually when googling, you know, death uh, 
hiding murders by throwing somebody on a on a on train tracks this is like the number thing that one thing that pops up yeah. but anyhow good <laughs> so anyhow their their deaths were finally ruled probable homicides and yeah so this is back to the whole i go back into the i looked i found articles that some people exhibit fainting spells and blacking out with some drowsiness while smoking pot but like when it comes to data with regard to somebody dying of thc poisoning there is none marijuana related deaths because there was something else in there like fentanyl sure that exists but thc death i don't have anything yeah um as in substantive and came from a really good source um i actually was really laughing at this one article that i found but it's gonna have a little funny funny but um while most people can use marijuana without experiencing any issues whatsoever, fainting can be a side effect. Um, and medical experts say these that blackouts or fainting spells can occur since THC decreases your blood pressure. Mm. But that doesn't mean you're going to you're going to be remaining flat out. It's right. just like blackout from that idea of you may not actually fall down or faint, but you'll have an a period of time that you don't remember. Mm. That's a blackout. Um, so some of the, some f- a few telltale signs that it's about to be lights out and there are an Im- it are important for a marijuana user to recognize. If you if after a hit you start to feel dizzy, experience shortness of breath, break out in a sweat, feel nauseous, or get a headache or experience blurred vision, it's time to find a place to sit down and chill for a minute. I just <laughs> this was cracking me up. And it's also important to point out though that preventing yourself from fainting is really just as simple as sitting down before you smoke marijuana. <laughs> oh my God. It was just cracking me up. There yeah. was just, it was a bunch of different articles that were uh, focused on, are you a new user to THC? How, you know, are you experiencing troubles? Maybe you should go look for a less potent dose. And that really, seriously, of all these little articles, there was like a dozen of them out there. And some of them were, they had funny names. I put one of them in our list. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that I just did the quote from. Uh, Most attributed potential fainting and blacking out and falling asleep to new users of the drug or upping the potency by a significant amount if they were a longtime user. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just like a fainting spell. You don't stay out and unconscious it's this is a lightheaded you've had a serious drop in blood pressure that is momentary Mm -hmm. not long serving you know a train coming down the tracks (laughs) at you you i'm just just gonna stay here (laughs) yeah yeah so that's that's what i was able to find really quickly it was just one of those there was lots of tidbits that one made me laugh with the whole you know if you think you might have a problem with painting <laughs> perhaps you should sit, sit first down. before you go toke a little bit of mj yeah. you're like okay y- y'all killing me here yeah so back to the case corruption at play what is going on yeah. down in arkansas this in the is, mid 80s yeah this is so crazy so despite the grand jury's announcement that the boys desk may have been related to drug trafficking, Sheriff Steed refused to allow any funds to aid in the investigation. I don't get this. Were there no drug task forces going on down then? Who knows? Why is this guy being so obstructionist? He, well, he had also lied about where he had sent the boys' clothes for examination. 
her leveret, Steed sent the clothes to the Arkansas State Crime Lab, not to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, as he was supposed to do. Uh, he was not re-elected re as county sheriff. I'm so shocked. Following his involvement with the case, um, Stephen, yeah. the engineer, he still says to this day there was a green tarp covering the boys. Nobody has ever found this, Yeah, they wouldn't have found it. it. It was nowhere. Um, so another interesting thing apparently there was a man in military fatigue seen in the area his presence was kind of suspicious he was not somebody that was known and when a police officer who named Dan danny allen stopped to question the man the man shot at him and disappeared that sounds a nice like a nice guy so the night that the boys died there were three reports of the man in the area so he was at least in the area. So whether, whether he's a red herring or part of it or potentially a witness. Who knows? Um, two days after Steed lost the election, Keith McCastle, one of Harmon's infor informants in the case, who was asked by Harmon to take aerial photographs of the crime scene, was murdered. Miss hmm. Cascade. McCaskill. McCaskill was also a well-known manager of a local club on the Saline County Pulaski line. Mm. On January 22nd, 1989, 26-year-old Greg Collins, who had been called to testify before the grand jury, died from three gunshot blasts to the face. No hmm. clue what happened to him. Um, yeah, a shotgun blast to the face will kind of sort of take your face off. In addition, just weeks before, Collins' friend Keith Coney, who was also called to testify to the grand jury, died in a motorcycle accident. Basically, you here? don't want anything to do with this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because you might have a sudden death due or, to... By March 1989, another recipient of a subpoena to appear before the grand jury, Daniel Booney Bearden, had disappeared. He might have gone, uh, I don't want to die. Bye. True. I, I, again, I don't know. Or he's in some unmarked grave somewhere. And that could be because another death supposedly connected with the case, that of 21-year-old Jeffrey Edward Rhodes, whose body was found in a landfill in April 1989. Well, maybe Mr. Bearden is also in the landfill and they just didn't find him. It, it could be. Because, I mean, you do wonder. Yeah. How many people go missing in landfills? I don't know. The deaths were ruled homicides in March 1990 after yet another investigation, but per the Arkansas Gazette, there were no reported arrests. In 1984, a similar occurrence was found. And I started kind of looking into this a little bit because, you know, I'm curious. There's right. a very similar situation with two boys who were hit by a train. So on June 25th, 1984, 21-year-old Billy Don Hainline and 26-year-old Dennis Decker were found lying motionless on a stretch of the Kansas City Southern Railroad 20 miles south of Poutine. Poutine, Oklahoma. The two <laughs> were on the run. The two were, were run, run over, over by the train and killed. Or were they killed by the train or were they dead before? It's hard to tell. But 
Autopsy showed the amount of alcohol in the blood of the victims was near the legal limit for drunkenness. But that's that just means you can't drive a car, not that you can't wander around. Right. Or get up from tracks. Or, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Again, it's one of those. You, mm. If you're considered legally drunk, that does not mean you're passed out. The county coroner ruled that the deaths were accidental, believing that the men fell asleep on the tracks. Okay, again, I'm sitting here going, how could, number one, okay. How drunk can you be that you wouldn't hear the The horn? turn. But, okay, also think about this. Tracks, how could you comfortably lay on tracks? I mean, I, I'm sorry, I'd pick grass. You know, <laughs> if I'm exactly. going to fall asleep anywhere, I'm, I'm picking I may wake grass. up with chigger bites all over the yeah. place, but I'll go with the grass over yeah. the train tracks. It's fluffier. It's fluffier. <laughs> okay, if you have your, it, now, if you have a Leatherman or some type of knife with you, you can cut out some pine bows and sit up. There you go. Sorry, <laughs> survival school comes back. It's just. Yeah, this yeah, is not that's definitely sense. fluffier. So a lot of people in this case also suspected foul, foul play, play, but it was really never. I mean, they reopened the case in July of 1985, but they, they weren't able to find any more evidence. Yeah. Interestingly, one month after the bodies were discovered, a clandestine methamphetamine laboratory was discovered one and a half miles north of the tracks. So here we go with drugs again. Yep. Also, Billy and Dennis were found in the same position as Don and Kevin. So that's, you know, laying mm. side by mm. side in in line with each other. That just, that's odd. Um, Linda's, Linda, Linda Ives, so this is Kevin's mother. She went after the original Emmy. She was, she was being mama bear. She's like, this well, is yeah. not right. And she filed a complaint with the medical society that Dr. Malik conducted himself in a grossly unethical manner. Good for her. Yes. So um, this is where I, I said I fired up the Google machine and looked for, okay, placing bodies on a railroad track to cover for a murder. This story obviously came up first. No surprise since I'm working on it. Um, I actually had to scroll pretty decently to get beyond mm -hmm. <laughs> this. I don't know. Something about Google wants to give you what you're trying to look for. I'm like, yes, yes. I'm trying to look for others. Thank you. In 2014, a guy in um, the Chicago suburbs murdered his wife and tried to hide it by putting her on the tracks. A train conductor on a train that passed by on a parallel track saw her, called it in. He was found guilty. In August, just this last month, in August of 2022, a Utah-based cold case coalition announced the launch of a nationwide database for railroad-related homicides, which the group's founders say has already led to the possible clues in the case of an unidentified serial killer known to operate in the Northwest, but they didn't know if there would be a wider spread of victims. Ooh. So basically, there was this Utah cold case coalition. They've been um, working on stuff for two years now and i've got more from this article but yeah it was one of those they found so much stuff and they've been interlinking between the different states and it's like you know what this should be national yeah so um 
Porter, one of the group's founders, said she and others have worked on the project for two years, like I said. Mm -hmm. There's an awful lot of deaths related to freight trains that have just gone unsolved. And it's really not the fault of law law enforcement in many of the cases because these things are just extremely difficult. They may be the most difficult types of homicides to resolve because uh, oftentimes the victims have no relationship to where they're found or where they're killed. Hmm. So, and, and you also... The de- especially if it was a murder that's uncovered up by the train tracks, um, they could have been murdered somewhere completely different and pulled out to the train tracks. So you're sure. missing the crime scenes. Yeah. You don't have the original crime well, scene. Let's face it, you're being hit by a train. There's not, there's, there's... Yeah. And I googled some stuff about what they have to do with regard to removing bodies from tracks and all that stuff. I can talk about that in a second. I'll talk about this some more. <laughs> so two years ago, the group decided to see what it could do to help those unsolved crimes. They saw the need for a national database to track people who were injured or known to ride freight trains who were arrested and help identify bodies and suspects in unsolved murders. Um, this example, in 1979, a man who has not yet been identified was stabbed in the back of his thighs with uh, his pants around his ankles, which the Cold Case Coalition says fit a pattern of serial killer, uh, um, of a serial killer of train riders in the Northwest states that had begun a few years later. So they're like, oh, this one preceded those. So we're going to add them to the list. So this is where it all kind of sort of began. So we get this database cooking, and one of the things we include is the type and manner of death, anything unusual about the death, and lo and behold, this very unusual method of homicide, we find one in Salt Lake, unresolved, and it's at least three years or more before we've got our first ones in Idaho or in those areas that had to do with the one serial killer case. So... Hmm. It's one way to try to clean up some of those unsolveds. And, hey, maybe they'll put together that one that was in Kansas or Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, it was the Kansas Railway. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so uh, they, uh, the group recently interviewed a longtime freight train conductor who told them there are likely hundreds of bodies that haven't been found along the railroad tracks across the country. Wow. Many bodies have been, that have been found haven't yet been identified. So while the database now holds records into the thousands, Porter says it remains a work in progress and the group welcomes people who want to help. We're all volunteers. We have no budget, but this is huge for us, Renee Van Tussenbrook, a coalition member, said. Every family deserves answers. So I am really, really interested to see if such a database, as it grows more, if it could also eventually help tie the murder of these boys. Yeah. Because, like, we've talked about drugs a bit Mm -hmm. as well, and there were some discussions of did they potentially run into drug runners, um, which would fit in with the meth lab piece. Right. And so the boys' bodies were actually found in a drop location for drugs that were being flown out of Mina, known to the pilots as A1. Two out of the three pilots interviewed in the Obstruction of Justice documentary confirmed the site and its name. So Mm -hmm. there was definitely a possibility that they were killed in a location where perhaps they saw something they shouldn't have seen and you know they had to be taken out because they were witnesses right just two poor kids who were hanging out smoking some pot and killing rabbits i don't know sorry wouldn't be rabbits dr malik in fact had 
direct ties to Jocelyn Elders, who was the head of the state health department, and Bill Clinton, who was governor at the time. So there's this whole Clinton theory thing that I, I don't know if you went into it or not. Yeah, I and started reading into it and I was like, okay, we've got another conspiracy theory with is. regard to the... But, you know, I mean... It mm. was kind of interesting. I didn't go into it because it's a lot of information. It but was... There were pages and tons and tons of different theories out there with regard to some shadiness going on with the health department. Right. So Hmm. both Bill Clinton and elders had the authority to remove Malik from the office after his false ruling, but they continued to support him and even gave him a $32,000 pay raise. I I don't remember if that pay raise was like specific to him or if he got a... You know, he well, basically got promoted. Well, I think it promoted. was within his office or yeah. whatever. But, yeah, basically he, he got more money. Yep. Um, so then a few years later, Billy Jack Haynes, who is a wrestler, yeah. basically, um, and he, he claims that he witnessed the murders. He said, I come with no mask. I come with no hidden voice. And I come to you straight face to face because this is reality, man. Yeah, this was a video he... uh... Mm -hmm. The former wrestler explained that he used to be a drug trafficker and a hired enforcer during the 80s and was introduced to a politician drug dealer from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Politician Um, drug dealer. That's an interesting choice of words. Haynes then alleges that this unnamed politician asked him to kill David Kennedy, the son of Robert F. Kennedy, in 1984. In August of 1987, I was contacted by the Arkansas criminal politician and was asked if I could provide muscle at an Arkansas drug drop. Stop. Eh, Words. Whatever. And the criminal politician suspected that some drug money drops were being stolen. Haynes said that the teens were murdered by people working for the same criminal politician. So he walked, they possibly walked in, you know, saw something they shouldn't have seen. Uh, so then he said he met Linda Ives in 2016 and gave her names of everyone involved um, to a private investigator. So, hmm. I don't know. I couldn't find anything, like, beyond that. You yeah, because, I mean, it, just so you guys know, David Kennedy did actually die in 1984, April 25th, actually. Um, he was 28 years old in Palm Beach, Florida, of a uh, drug overdose. Mm. So, I don't know. All, I didn't actually look up all the details on that one. Yeah. Fourth of 11 children. Jeez, criminy, leave her alone, would you already? Oh, sorry. Was that my outside voice? That's a bit much. So a little bit more about the boys just to, you know, because you know me, I like to talk about the, the victims a of course. little bit. So um, Don was born September 30th, 1970. He was the son of Curtis J. Henry and Marvell J. Epperson. Um, Larry... Kevin Ives was born April 28th, 1970. His mother was Linda Ives and his father was Larry Ives. Uh, Don and Kevin were both 
typical boys. They played sports. They they loved to work on cars. Don was a natural comedian, and Kevin was his best audience. They were really best friends. I know that they even went on dates together. They would... Oh, they would double date with their girlfriends. Yeah. Um, And actually, one of the things it kind of said was that, like, that's a typical Saturday night for them, but that night they didn't have dates for whatever reason. So they just went out and hung out and went, oh, let's go shoot some stuff out in the... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. So at one point in time, we were looking at because um, there were there were so many different weird drug angles going yeah. on with there. They said that that drop spot was actually also t- potentially tied to uh, Barry Seal. Now that's a guy I've heard of previously. I mean, there are tons of actually. There's a movie with Tom Cruise in it about it. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Hopper. Now they're historically inaccurate. But he was a drug runner for the Medellin cartel. So um, I watched a couple true crime shows as well. He was actually murdered um, after his conviction when he was in the halfway house. Um, when he came back to the halfway house, like on a Sunday afternoon, he was murdered. But yeah, there's there's a lot going on with regard to, I mean, the, the drug industry is, mm-hmm. the 80s were the wild west for drugs. And like I said, the... Um, the Kennedy, David Kennedy, he he died of a cocaine mixed with other stuff mm-hmm. overdose after partying right after getting out of rehab. Uh, yeah. yeah, drugs, drugs are. Uh, yeah, they- and it, it just um, this was an interesting case. Unfortunately, there's really not a lot else because it's all theory and right it's like you know i mean they've been they've been exhumed twice they've yeah. had three autopsies and i think actually i think i read that linda ives has since passed away if I'm, right i think so yeah I mean, but basically you know i mean this is this is basically gone cold there's really no no evidence of what really happened that night other than the fact that the boys you know yeah are dead but um, you know, the the whole the weirdness of the case, you know, the, right. like there's a reason there are several. Yeah, there's a, a couple of different shows about it because it is a heck of a mystery. How, who killed them? Because right. they were they were killed. Yeah. I mean, th- it's actually been called a homicide now. Right. A homicide is not quite this. It's uh, we don't know if it was a particular murder by one one on one. What have right. you? Um, was it was drug was it because of the drug trade? Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to be able to find link it to other um, murders covered up by putting people on? I'm definitely interested to see what that. Yeah, I'm really but... curious about this coalition. Yeah, we'll have to. I'll I'll make sure we get the uh, um, get that in our notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to uh, just keep. Keep Maybe watching it. Go cause... and giving them some look at them a bit. Because, yeah. well, and, and the whole idea, I mean, if you run, if you run somebody over with a train, that's a long train. They may have stopped <clears throat> before they completely got to the other side of them. Right. And some of what I was reading, what it takes to get first, you know, depending on how is the conductor doing, mm-hmm. you've, you've still got cargo that has to get somewhere. So right. you start with, okay, the authorities are called, um, you have to go look through the train, look and see if you can find any bits and pieces on mm-hmm. the train itself before you can release it. You may um, typically, because they'll want to question and or the conductor, uh, the engineer may 
have a problem with this. He just ran people over. Right. You'll have to find another engineer to take it on the rest of its route. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's well, just it's a like this engineer. He and, was he was saying like I mean I think this was the most horrific thing he's ever seen. Right. And it's not something he's going to forget. You know. Certainly not. I mean, because how many things do you think he actually you would actually run over? Animals are going to leave for the sound of the right. fort. You're only going to run over things that are inanimate. Right. Yeah. So um, I can't imagine running over two teenagers. Right. And yeah. And I'm and sorry. How much damage that train would do no to their bodies. They were just intoxicated. I mean, well, they've rolled it a homicide now, but that right. whole theory was like, really? <laughs> I mean, and how do you smoke 20? Well, and again, who's going to go lay on train tracks? It's not exactly comfortable. <laughs> I mean, how much I do mean, they stick up? I mean, think about yeah. it. And, and the ties in between, it's not like that's flat either. Right. There'll be gravel in between the ties, the rails not, themselves. I don't want to lay on that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's the last thing I would lay on, but it yeah, certainly but is nowhere near the first. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. You might lay down near the tracks because, you know, there's one that goes by at 4 a.m. and you want to get up and go home. <laughs> But, you know, oh, sorry, I'm, my brain just keeps ro- rolling in circles of why would you do that? You right. wouldn't. No. no. You wouldn't. It's just not. No. And I'm really curious about this whole uh, this whole uh, wrestler dude and his criminal politician. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I, it's I would one be... of those things where it didn't go anywhere. Right. So obviously somebody probably looked into it and went. This it could is... have been some low level people and yeah. really was nothing that you could prove a darn thing about. Right. So, I mean, it's interesting, but I, yeah, I don't, to be honest, I don't feel like there's any good solid leads in this. You know, uh-uh. it's one of those that it's like, there is just no clear. Yes. This, this is who did it. Right. You know, so, and, well, this is, um, so our next case, there's, there's another mystery. So right. that's, that's, I've been really interested in that one and we'll get into that one next time. But, right. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say too much just cause it's well, the next episode. Exactly. This is this episode. Right. We don't go to the beginning. No. <laughs> the no, next one. You know, I just, <laughs> I'm just thinking about that one still because I was looking at it today. So. Right. Well, you know, always preparing to go forward. Yes, exactly. Because we hope you guys lo- like listening to us. And, I hope so. You know. <laughs> and hey, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll maybe if we do a ghost story for your uh company company we could do that one live or something yeah that'd be kind of cool i mean it would be hard to take all this equipment with us but right and we could get question and answers or something Ooh, thoughts i know they're very they're they're like trying is this christmas party (laughs) (laughs) they're we're looking at like a bonfire sometime in november probably so bonfire yeah you know I'm a pyro. I love looking at fire. <laughs> it's one thing I definitely miss is I used to have a fireplace. Yeah. Sigh. Yeah. Well. I just drive over to the campground and light a fire in a fire pit. I'll be okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> 
There you go. Well, like you can get furniture that has, I mean, it's fake fire, yeah. but well, you know, that's what I have. The and fireplace in my, yes, my, tr- my fifth wheel has a fireplace. That's yeah. fake fire too. And it wasn't, yeah. the problem with that is it was not a draw for kitties. Oh. They're like, it doesn't come out right here. The, the <laughs> heat comes out from the top. Right. So there, it was not the, um, uh, it did not have the same effect. Uh, as it did at the house, where it was the one thing that brought all the kitties together. Right. It was like, oh, we all jam ourselves together to sit in front of the heat source. That's too cute. Yes. Nikki yeah. did not try to burn off his whiskers or yeah. anything like that. Well, you know. Fake may- fire. I mean, My cats put, you know, maybe stick you their can, noses in the air at fake fire. You can probably find, like, I mean, like ours, <laughs> they could probably jump up and lay on and get the heat. Mm, oh. Maybe. Something like that. Something to think of. Oh, they have plenty of places to sit. Oh, good. Sophie was uh, hanging out and basking in the sunlight in the window when I left. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. At least they have places. Exactly. So, as always, thank you for listening to Nothing Happens in a Small Town, where things do happen and small towns are not the quiet, quaint places you think they are. Nope. So... If you would like to support us, we do have a Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash nothing Nothing happens happens in a small small town. town. And I am going to be working on a new website design for my website. And at that point, I will also make sure that we have content for our Patreon people. So that is going to be, if you support us, we'll give you access to that. But it won't be until I'm done with the website. Um, anyhow, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at nothing, nothing happens in a small town. town. Twitter profile is nothing, nothing happens, happens in a small town, town at N H I A S T. Our Facebook page is nothing, nothing happens in a small town, town at N H I A S T 2021. And you can Gmail us with your suggestions, and we do take them. This oh, is most a definitely. Suggestion by my mom's friend again. Yay! So, thank you. Nothing, nothing happens in a small town, town at gmail.com. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. I hope you like us, and we'll just keep on rolling. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. (laughs) 